Welcome to Talks at Stellenbosch Uni, Stellenbosch University's podcast where we talk about current topics and innovative research done at the university. Here's your host, Spurgeon Haddon Wilson. Today we are joined by Dr. Sanmarie van Dierfenter, a postdoctoral fellow at the Department of Private Law at Stellenbosch University. Dr. van Dierfenter practiced as an attorney specializing in the drafting of contracts before commencing her postgraduate studies in 2015. Her interest remains contract law and her LLD dissertation focused on contractual issues arising from the online environment. Good afternoon, Dr. van Dierfenter, and thank you for joining us today. Good afternoon. It's nice to join you. So, Dr. van Dierfenter, one of the many consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic is that most of our daily activities, be it meetings, interactions or transactions, now sifted to the online space or online environment. Today, we would like to engage with you more on this online environment and um, specifically online contracts. So your research focuses on online contracts. Can you tell us what exactly is meant with the term online contract and how is a um, contract concluded? Yes, certainly. Um, as you said, we we really can't escape engaging in, in online transactions these days or um, or engaging in, in various online activities. And what a lot of people do not realize perhaps is that by engaging in various online activities, you are then actually concluding an online contract. So the term online contract, as I use it in my research, research basically refers to any standard form, so non-negotiated contract that is concluded electronically. And consumers will know it as one of those pop-up boxes that, that requires you to click I accept or I agree um, to certain terms. So that's one form of an online contract. Uh, but it also includes the, the terms and conditions of websites that consumers often often don't realize are actually are actually there. So you're not required to, to click anything to agree to it, but by merely visiting a website or browsing a website, you are then actually concluding an online contract. Um, so so, as I said, there are these two different forms of online contracts, the one where you, where you click to indicate your acceptance, um, but also one where there's no specific action required except for browsing the website, or of course, where you sign up for an online service, for example, Facebook, there you're also in concluding an online contract with the service provider. Thank you for that. So just to moving from that idea of um, um, online contract. Now, myself as a Internet user, why do online contracts require specific consideration? So as I said, if you are engaged in the online environment, so browsing websites, using various online services, you are then concluding online contracts on a daily basis without consumers really realizing it. And these or on non-negotiated standard form contracts. So this is nothing new. Concluding a, a non-negotiated contract is not is not a new phenomenon. It's something that's been used for years. Um, when you buy a car, when you purchase an airline ticket, even a ticket for a concert, which nobody can attend now <laughs> because of COVID, um, those are all um, standard form contracts. But the fact that we are dealing here with, with a contract in the online environment that's presented on a different medium, it does cause certain physical differences. So online contracts tend to be longer because they are not bound to 
a, a printed document and suppliers find it easier to use online contracts for every transaction or interaction online, whereas the use of, of standard form contracts in the on say in the brick and mortar environment um, was a lot more limited. So if you compare, for example, a consumer buying clothes at a traditional store with one purchasing it from an online supplier, where the former is at most subject to, for example, the store's return policy that's possibly printed on the back of the receipt, Whereas if you buy from an online supplier, for example, like Spree, um, you're required to consent to a perhaps 40 plus page online contract. Um, so that's the one problem that tend to be longer and more ubiquitous. Um, it's been said that modern consumers conclude more contracts annually than, than a consumer two decades ago would conclude in a lifetime. And because of this, it's unreasonable to expect consumers to study the terms, to read the contracts. It's just not feasible for them to spend all that time. Um, and because of, of these contracts that use for, for every transaction, it also allows online suppliers the opportunity to insert more terms, to um, use these contracts to appropriate certain rights that you would normally not find in um, in other standard form contracts, for example, by allowing consumers to track your internet use, to send you personalized advertisements, things like that, where if you um, if you were going to a physical store, you really agreed to, to disclose every website you visit. Um, whereas we find those type of, of terms in online contracts. So it's because of, of those differences, the fact that it's unreasonable to expect consumers to really read these contracts, and also the fact that more onerous terms are inserted in, in online contracts. Doctor, you have now alluded to the idea that how it is different from a normal contract. And also some issues came up there, but can you maybe um, give us an idea of what are some of the main issues or problems associated with online contracts that your research has uncovered? Yes, as you said, it links to, to what we just discussed. Um, so these two main problems regarding online contracts, um, it becomes a bit technical, but the first problem really is whether we can say that a consumer concluded a contract if he was unaware of the existence of the contract or even if he was aware where it would be unreasonable to expect him to read the terms so that's the that's the first issue can we really say that the consumer concluded a contract in these circumstances and the second problem relates to the content of, of online contracts, the unfair terms um, that are inserted. And of course, these two go hand in hand in the fact that um, because consumers do not read the terms or um, there's no real um, reason for them to, to read these terms, it allows suppliers to insert onerous terms without penalty, without there being any consequences. So for example, if we if we look at some examples of unfair terms, um, those that received the most publicity 
are those relating to privacy. So a, quite a striking example is the Cambridge Analytica scandal that happened in the US, where a political consulting firm harvested the data of, I think it's about 87 million Facebook users um, to provide targeted political advertisements to them. And consumers ag actually agreed to the collection of their data, to the use of their data, by using an app made available by Cambridge Analytica. So the problem we has, have is that um, these contracts then authorize these practices by using terms that, that no consumer really reads. So it's these two problems, the one being, can we really say there is a contract? And the other one is, um, so if there is a contract, um, what do we do with these these terms that, that tend to be unfair towards consumers? Now, how do you protect yourself from entering into an online contract now after you've just mentioned those two um, challenges or issues? So that's the question that I actually get asked most often is what can, can Internet users do to protect themselves when entering into an online contract? And unfortunately, that's almost the, the biggest problem is the fact that there's actually very little that an individual consumer can do to protect themselves. So because a consumer will not have any any bargaining power, there's no way you can engage with the online supplier to try and amend the terms or negotiate the terms. The only real option a consumer has is to refrain from using the service. Um, and of course, we know that in a lot of circumstances, it's not really an option for consumers. Um, we all need to, to use online services, especially during this time. But um, so because consumers cannot really, cannot really protect themselves, they're really in a position to effectively protect themselves. Um, that's why I argue that we need the regulator to, to provide protection for individual consumers. Um, part of the reason um, why consumers also will find it difficult to, to enforce their rights or to um, attack an online contract is because a lot of these contracts, where they are with, with international suppliers, will provide a um, so-called forum selection clause. So it obliges you to litigate, should you choose to, to litigate against the company, to actually litigate in the, in the country where the supplier is situated. So if you want to um, enforce your rights against Facebook, um, then you would have to go to California and sue in a Californian court. So that's part of the reason why um, for online consumers, there really isn't a lot of remedies um, that they have available. Um, Dr. Van Diefender, just as a final um, comment, in your view, how then um, should online contacts be regulated according to you? So. Perhaps let me start with what I think um, will not work, um, and that is trying to to do more to bring terms to the attention of consumers. So so-called heightened disclosure, trying to to prescribe certain ways in which terms must be disclosed to consumers. According to um, what I found in my research, that is unlikely to really have an impact on on the substance, on the content of the terms. So in other words, it's unlikely to actually um, mean that, that more fair terms are included in online contracts because in all likelihood, consumers will continue to do what they do now. And that is click to, to get rid of this irritating box <laughs> and continue with whatever they were busy doing um, instead of really 
pausing and evaluating the effect of a specific term and then deciding whether to continue to contract. Um, so that's why I say if, if contract terms, if disclosing contract terms in a certain manner does not really influence consumer behavior before contract conclusion, it's unlikely to have a, have a real benefit. So instead, I would argue that the regulator should should take steps to to regulate the content or the substance of of online contracts and that can be done firstly by putting legislation in place so that we have legislation aimed specifically at online contracts and the issues arising from online contracts and secondly that consumer organizations should then play a more active role to make sure that this legislation is enforced and to protect consumers because as i said an individual cons consumer um, will really be in a position to to enforce his rights and even where he can litigate in in south african courts we all know that the court process is is expensive and a cumbersome process and online Online transactions generally um, have a very little, a, a very small monetary value. So for consumers, they will usually not not be prepared to take take those steps to enforce their rights. And that's why we need, as I said, consumer organisations to to play a more active role to make sure that that unfair terms are not inserted in in online contracts. Sure, Dr. Van Diefner, thank you so much. It's a very interesting conversation and I will think twice before I click again. <laughs> so thank you, thank you so much for sharing your research and thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow all the latest Stellenbosch University news at www.sun.ac.za or follow us on all the largest social media platforms.